uh, new meta episode uh, here at Blue Meta with Sanderson Concrete, uh, and we have a very distinguished guest. Uh, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Jan Arntorp. I'm the president and owner of Sanderson Concrete. And just for somebody you know new um, that may not know about uh, yourself and your company, what is it exactly that you guys do? We're precast concrete manufacturers. Uh, we specialize in architectural precast and landscape site furnishing. So if you've ever sat on a concrete picnic table in a park in uh, British Columbia or perhaps at a Wendy's, uh, you've probably sat on one of my tables. So uh, <laughs> part of what we do. There you go, like impacting everyday life already. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are topical based on kind of what's happening with the world, uh, specifically, you know, right now it's the end of April here, 2020. Right. Um, so could, could you maybe let us know how things have been affected in your world, um, and in your sure. company based on kind of what's going on in the past month? Sure. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely impacted us as it's impacted everybody else. Uh, I mean, first of all, you and I are uh, not together in the same room where uh, we've become quite comfortable with this way of meeting. Uh, so that's, that's definitely part of it. For, from our perspective, it, it affected us a little bit as it affected everybody. Uh, we had some nerves in the plant. The office wasn't so bad. We all have our own offices. Two of my senior people started working from home very quickly. In the plant, the workers are in close proximity in a, in a number of positions. Some positions they're not. We have a, a mold shop, a wood shop, a welding shop. But on the plant floor, quite often people will be within that two meter proximity. So we get into that four foot distance. Uh, people were starting to get a little bit nervous. So we shut the plant down for a week and a half. Uh, slowly introduced some senior people and then a few more people where well, we did some cleanup, uh, instituted some signage, uh, some hand washing stations. We already had that, but uh, more frequent hand washing is obviously part of the process. Uh, our own, not PPEs, but we do have dust masks and face shields. So if you step within that two meter radius uh, and we slowly brought the guys back and they were, everybody's back now. They're quite comfortable. We have 30 employees and it took a little while to get things up and running. We added a 400 square foot break room uh, to our existing break room. So we more than tripled our break space so that we can actually have uh, a few guys off at the same time taking lunches. And then we staggered our shifts in the plant. Mm -hmm. 22, 23 people uh, work in the plant and we staggered the shifts uh, by an hour and a half and then those shifts we also broke them up so that the breaks are coming in at, uh, at different times. We got rid of the time clock and we just told people you show up around the right time, ease yourself into your workstation making sure that you're, you're keeping distance. So it's definitely affected our production. But I've got uh, almost uh, 30 families that are being fed right now, and uh, that's, that's worth something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think we've spoken about this in the past, but, um, you know, different industries are definitely affected to different extents. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see what industries uh, are suffering more than others. So um, from, from A, your company's perspective, but B, maybe the greater market um, that you're in, uh, how have you seen that affected so far? 
Well, we're in, we're in construction. That's primarily what we do. Uh, I would say 60 to 70% of what we produce is for the landscape construction industry. So of course that's outside. We're doing the project down at Robson Square right now with Jacob Brothers Construction for the city of Vancouver and for the province. That site is still open and we're following their best practices because obviously we all lean towards Dr. Henry and to WorkSafe, but when you take a look at what your clients and what your suppliers are doing, they're going to have some best practices as well. And we're seeing them slowing down a little bit, but they're still keeping the projects going. So we're not actually seeing any real slowdown in the construction industry, other than some of the practices are changing a little bit. Right. Uh, some of the projects are being stretched out. Obviously, uh, we have a large washroom building that we're producing here we've slowed that site down ourselves. So they're being impacted a little bit by our production. Uh, on other sites, we're being slowed down a little bit by them, but overall construction is managing to make things work, at least in the industry that I'm in. I'm not dealing a lot with the home builders. I, I know that's a little bit different with smaller sites, uh, but from the large construction, you're, you're dealing with the lead cores of the world, the PCLs of the world, and they have really good safety practices. So. Uh, those sites are, are managing to to carry on and where they're running into issues they're just slowing down just that little bit by minimizing the the amount of people on the site yeah and i mean that i guess that's where the slowdown is coming from the slowdown is just to adhere to the the best practices yes. around yeah. safety yeah um so i mean that makes infinite sense so i mean what what from your aspect you mentioned that you had um basically let everybody uh go uh, for like a week and a half or so break like how did how did you come to that conclusion uh, what was the process that you took to actually make that decision uh, but also like what went into that beyond like you know what were the considerations here right the we started to see a little bit of nerves in the plant we could feel the tension in the air so we decided to have one-on-ones with the with each employee in in the plant uh, I'm working directly with the eight people in the office, so that, that's pretty easy. You can gauge the people you're working with on a day-to-day -day basis. A little less interaction personally with the guys in the plant, but the plant managers were coming to me saying, you know, we're starting to feel a little something. So I said, well, why don't we just have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with everybody? It'll be myself, one of the plant managers, so it really was two-on-one, but just so that I wasn't missing anything and then really encouraging people to speak their mind. And of course, you're gonna get the occasional person that's whatever you want, boss, you're gonna get whatever everybody else wants, but when you really got the true sense of how people were feeling, we had about 75% of the staff that really wanted to take a couple of weeks off and go home. And this was prior to the federal government coming in and saying they were gonna do anything, and I thought, well, I really don't have much of a choice here. It's a difficult decision to make, but I sent everybody home. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you for two weeks to stay home and we'll start working on things and slowly start easing people back. In the back of my mind, of course, I thought that the federal government was going to do something. I hoped they were going to do something. And fortunately they, they did. Uh, it did feel like a little bit of gaslighting for a while. There was, hey, we're gonna save you, but there's conditions, but you're okay but there's conditions. So it did feel for a while that the feds were reacting on the fly as we all saw them react. And, and in the end, we are going to receive a bit of assistance, 
enough for us. And I always said that if we didn't get assistance, we probably didn't need it. So for that period of time we shut down, we paid everybody essentially to work at home. They helped us work on our, uh, on our employee manual uh, while they're at home. Not everybody complied. There were some very short answers, but I got a lot of real buy-in from the staff. I've got, I've got a pretty good collection of what we do in the plant. And uh, so, yeah, the, the thought process really was, I hate to say that I was altruistic. It, it really was a bit selfish. It, nobody felt good. I didn't either. And it was just time to take a deep breath and hopefully get things sorted out. And we did. I mean, it's a very interesting approach. And I think it's one that not many people would have taken. Because, I mean, even through, I mean, what the government laid out, you technically never had to ever stop production based on your industry, based on the fact that, you know, in how you have things up, most likely you can space people out properly. But really, at the end of the day, you made this decision based largely on your employees' mental health. And, you know, you just looked at that and, you know, I'm sure that you have some long-term employees working. And you yep. just said like, hey, you know, you've taken care of me in the past and I'm going to take care of you now, which, I mean, it's really easy to say, very difficult to do when you are watching the dollars leave the bank account. Yeah, there there was there were some tense moments during this period of time when we did this, uh, but I've owned this company for a long time. I've been here for 32 years. I've owned the company for 10 years now myself. It's a family business. I bought my family out, and I've been the president of the company for 20 years. And I've always said at the Christmas party, I don't have a paycheck if you guys aren't earning a paycheck. You're the reason I get one. And it was time for me to man up and, and put my money where my mouth was. And I knew that if we did this right, we could ease back into things. And as long as the government didn't shut us down, we would have everybody come back and they would feel comfortable. And when people are comfortable, they're actually going to be productive at what they're doing. And so it was, it was a chance. It paid off. Uh, it will cost us something. We are going to get some help with it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot, as I said to the guys, when I said, we had a Facebook meeting and uh, digress just a little bit. I know you're going to edit this part out. Uh, but as I said to the guys, it's only concrete. It's only concrete. There's nothing more important than our mental well-being and our physical well-being. And we'll come back to work when it's safe to come back to work. And we did. And we've been going nonstop. We go through the process. We lost two people. Uh, one, one person was just uncomfortable and decided to move back home with his folks. You know what? We support him. There'll be a job here when he wants to come back. Uh, and another fellow just wasn't really wasn't working out. But other than that, we've got a hundred percent compliance of compliance. We've got a hundred percent of our staff back except for those two. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like a couple things to unpack here, I think, which is, um, you know, I think this is like real leadership in the sense that, you know, making hard decisions in the face of uncertainty, because to your point, well, were we going to get help from the government? Because you did a lot of these things before any announcements really came out to begin with. Um, but two, um, really kind of reading the room and to your point, some people just saying, yes, boss, no boss. If, if you want to do this, we'll do it. If not, not. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes we, as leaders, 
make the mistake of searching for whatever confirms our point of view right. and one or two people saying, or a couple of people saying, yeah, no, 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 it's fine. We'll keep going. Yeah. Would be enough to, you know, be like, no, 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 it's fine. We'll just keep it going. Um, but in addition to actually pay everyone while, you know, this is all happening and they're working from home. I mean, you, you found clever ways to, you know, use the downtime in terms of the surveys and things, but I mean, it's definitely not two weeks worth of work by any means. No, not by any stretch. Yeah. So, I mean, there's good, but I think, you know, in these positions, when you put your people first, you know, and actually put your money where your mouth is, which you've done, um, the payoff comes in, in the long run, right? It's not about that short run, but beyond that, there's a human element of truly caring about uh, the people that work in the business, which I think is a lot more rare than people may give it credit for. Yeah, it's, business is a long game. And it's a long game, both with your, with your sales and your customers, your suppliers as well. They're very important. Uh, but your, your employees, it, it, I suppose it can be for some easy to forget that the employees, as I say, earn your paycheck. But without these guys actually producing, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, without your employees actually producing, in my case, we actually make a product. But in, a, in, in the knowledge industry, in advertising, if your staff are not producing, you're not making anything. So you really have to take care of those who take care of you. It, it goes hand in hand. You can still be a bit of a hard ass. You know, you don't have to be their best buddy, but you do have to take care of them. It's your responsibility. Absolutely. And I do think that that's maybe like, um, you know, I think that there's, there's an okay age gap between you and I. I just look older because of the beard. But if I shave this, like I, I look like 16 at best. So, but I mean, you know, like there's a lot of people that are my age and a bit younger that, um, that don't share that view and I'll, and I'll, and I'll say it bluntly, like they just don't share the view of like, well, I need to take care of my employees or anything like that. It's like, you know, I pay them the paycheck or even that's there, it. There, there is, there has to be a certain element of that. You can't be overly altruistic to use the, the term again with your employees, but you have to treat them like human beings. And if you don't, you'll churn. And it, you know, I've got two, two employees that have been with me for 20 years plus. I've got a number of employees that are over 15 years. And some of them I barely speak to because we're just very, very different people and we don't necessarily interact in our day-to-day -day work. But I know they respect me because they're still here. And they're they're talented at what they do. They have a skill. They don't have to work for me. So they might not like me, but they certainly respect me. And I believe that's because I respect them and I show it. And it's a quid pro quo. It has to go both ways. Absolutely. Um, you know, I the the point I think that I've seen is that there's a lot of people that go into business because they want to just not have a boss, but you know, so there's a value to that, Nick. There's definitely a value to that. I agree, but not everybody should actually be in charge of other people as, as well, right? So, um, you know, the other thing I wanted to unpack from like a couple of things that you were saying before is, you know, uh, and this is also an observation, I think, of the greater market. A lot of companies have been praised because they're doing things that are altruistic, like i.e., you know, like paying people for like some time, like just like you have done. 
But I think there's some nuance to this that a lot of people aren't necessarily looking at, which is, um, and I'm going to specifically bring up this, and if you have thoughts on this, please expand. Um, companies that have done a good job on their operations and on their finance side of the business, making sure that profit margins were what they're supposed to be, making sure that they're running efficiently and effectively, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the companies that actually have the money to do these more altruistic things. So there's actually two steps to be had here. Step one is actually, hey, before this, any of this happened, we needed to be an effective organization at producing money in some way, shape, or form. Right. And then number two, once we have the money, then we can actually be somewhat altruistic with the use of it. Yes. If you want to, if you want to be altruistic, but you don't have the money, it doesn't work. No. Right? That's, that's Likewise, that's, you can make the money and not be altruistic either. Yes. So like some people are, I mean, I've seen business, some businesses being criticized about, well, they're not being altruistic. It's like, yeah, but they're also in an environment where, you know, and restaurants come in mind and here it's like the average restaurant that isn't a chain, that's like a mom and pop between one and four location restaurant makes between like six and 10% profit yeah. at best. And that's before tax. So yes. they have zero money. So how can they be altruistic with, with their employees? Yeah. Even if they want to, they can't. Yeah. Right. So I, it definitely, they definitely have to go hand in hand. And I mean, it's, you can be, you can be altruistic with the cash that you have, even if the, if the, if the, uh, the business didn't earn it, perhaps you could borrow the money. Uh, it is one of the things I did say to the guys uh, on, on our Facebook live was that we have very, very good credit. If we need to, I will borrow to get us through this. The best that I can do right now is guarantee you guys two pay periods. I'm hoping it's only going to be one, uh, but I did, I, I did in essence guarantee them a month because I obviously ran the numbers. I'm still in business. And we knew that if we had to shut the doors for a month at that stage, yeah, all bets were off and we were probably going to have to have a fire sale anyway. So I might as well just see what I could do. And it was during that first two weeks that uh, Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Marno stepped up and they, they gave us some hope. I still remember uh, getting the text. I was on a phone call. I got a text from my friend who's always also in business and the hairs on my arm stood up. I, I just, you know, I got, I got a bit emotional when I realized that the Calvary had come and that was going to get us through. And we were also hearing at that time that our industry actually could keep on working. And if we did things right, we were going to be fine. But you're right. We, we had the cash to be able to do it. And we had the wherewithal to borrow a little bit more. We're an established business. We knew we were going to get through this one way or well, another. The point I think I here is that uh, whether you're an established business or not, if your margins aren't, what they need to be because your operations are defective because whatever it is, it doesn't matter if you've been in business 30 years, like you still can't borrow because the bank's steam credit and credit worthiness are right. not based on the number of years you've operated, quite frankly. I mean, if, if I just had a job and we'd been at this desk for 30 years and there was nothing to this business, if I walk out the door tomorrow and this business is shuttered, and I probably wouldn't have had the wherewithal to take care of the, the people that I promised to take care of. But I also wouldn't have made that promise at that point. I, I, it was a, 
it was a measured promise that I knew I could, I could follow through on. I also knew at the end of that month, I was probably going home to saying to my wife, you better start planting the garden because we're not going out to eat for a while. <laughs> yeah, grow it, grow it yourself, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, like, look, like, I, I, you know, because our company, like Blue Meadow, we, we, we work with a lot of other companies. So we hear a lot of stories, not just of the companies we work with, but of companies that are in the industry of the people we work with. Right. And I mean, Jan, like I've heard everything. Like I've heard, you know, people doing stuff like you're doing. I've also heard of people being like, oh, you know, we're not doing any layoffs and all this, you know, on like a Thursday or Friday and come like Monday, Tuesday, they're literally laying off 20% of the people. Yeah. Like on the other side. And um, so I've seen good and bad and I've seen good intentions and bad intentions through this. I think what's very interesting is that, you know, bad intentions and lack of competence look very similar. They do. They do. And as, as that old saw says, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I mean, when you're in business, many of us have good intentions, but if that's not followed up with sound financial decisions and measured decisions, sleep on it. I mean, one of the things I learned a long time ago was when you're angry, email yourself, come back 24 hours later, you have to measure everything you do. And when you make a decision that's gonna make, have a big impact on yourself, on your company, on your staff, you really better think it through. Don't just, you know, no knee-jerk reactions, especially when they're large. And this was, this was a measured reaction. We, we had a sense of where this was going to go before the, the conversations. And we thought, well, you know, if, uh, if 70% of these guys say they're, they're fine and they want to stick around, we'll make this work. But if, when we got to, you know, better than 70% wanted to leave, we realized that, okay, we better, we better make some decisions. That was on the Friday and it took me until the Monday night to make the decision. And then on the Tuesday, when we announced it, long, slow, hard decision, but, I looked at numbers first. The, the interesting thing, you know, and I like unpacking this specific point, you know, there's three things at play here, right? It's not just like, hey, this is leadership. Because I think that leadership in a, has been commercialized um, inside of like LinkedIn and books and whatever have you. Like there's, it's beyond that. Because, you know, leadership by definition just, energizes people yeah. but it doesn't get them to march in formation and even if you know how to make people march in formation it like it's like well what formation is best right yeah. so for me i break formation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so to me it's really three things it's like you know a you need expertise right then you need management and then you need leadership yeah. if you don't have expertise and management like laying over real, like leadership generates chaos. And to your point about, you know, um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. This is where you see raw leadership in the absence with like, you see pure leadership and management and expertise are absent, right? So it's like pretty words that we cannot action. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so I always tell people, it's like, look, like management is getting a bum rap through like the leadership industry. It's like, if you're trying to build leadership without 
A, having your, your you know, foundation of expertise on which you build management on top of. Yes. You layer leadership over top of it, and it's chaos. Yes. Yeah, yeah you definitely need a, a blend. Uh, and you can be stronger on one, uh, but you can't, you can't completely avoid one. It, you know, management is not always my strongest suit. Um, I have to work at it. And it's, it's more, as most entrepreneurs, there's a lot of chaos going on up here. It's like, ooh, squirrel. You know, I've got a great <laughs> idea. Hey, we can make some money at this. And I, I, I have to be reeled in. But I'm fortunate in that I have a large enough company that I have managers that can manage those parts of the business that I don't have the, the patience to put the time and effort into. Uh, there are parts of the business that I can I can focus on all day. I love playing with numbers. I love estimating, uh, but turning those numbers into some semblance of order uh, get me about three quarters of the way through the spreadsheet, and I'll hand it to somebody who knows what they're doing. So yeah, you you definitely need a, a blend of all all three of those. I definitely agree with you there. But also to your point, I self being able to self identify that is very difficult. Yeah, like you what to, you're you strong in and what you're not good at. Yeah, you have to know your weaknesses. I'm not a good cook. <laughs> but but then on top of finding that, then it's like, you know, building your team around your competencies. I mean, it's not necessarily an easy thing. Yeah, and so many of us luck into really good people. Um, you know, I know you're very measured at what you do. I mean, I've, I haven't known you for a long time, but the few, few conversations we have had over the last half a dozen months are or so I, I know that you're very measured, you're a serial entrepreneur, you you get the steps that need to be taken. And some of us come through it through the, the, the school of hard knocks. And yeah, I've got some experience in all of this, but uh, I'm not always as measured as I should be. And you've clearly managed to find that, that in yourself as well as your leadership. That's actually on, on my side. It's an overcompensation for something that I fundamentally lack. So, I mean, you know, for, for most people, like I tell them that have known me maybe for a couple of months and I'm like, I, I was horrible at finance, like horrible, um, really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, made it my mission to like get just very strong at finance and operations because that was my weakness. And it actually be, ended up becoming my strength that was greater than the original strength I had, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But, you know, to your point, like, you know, you never know by like through the self-development that we put ourselves through as entrepreneurs and leaders and, and business owners and managers. Um, you know, sometimes you end up being better at the things that you were bad at. It's just that you've never really given them a try. Yeah, that's it. And it's, it, there's so much that you can learn in business about yourself and about business as, as a whole. And it doesn't really matter what you do in business. There are, there are aspects to business and finance is a perfect example. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not always the best. My wife runs the, the numbers at home and, and I have two bookkeepers here. Uh, we're, we're going through a little bit of a succession with our bookkeepers, but I understand everything about my business's finances. They just don't let me deal with any of the invoicing because I'll make a mess of things. But, but you know, I can read a, a spreadsheet, uh, you know, a balance sheet or an income statement with the best of them because I've had to do it. We've gone through some lean times, and this is one of them. Uh, you know, I understand what the numbers mean, and I like, I sometimes I like to twist them around a little bit to sort of, you know, uh, what's going to happen here. Um, you know, so it, it's, 
you're not always going to be, as you say, a pro at, uh, at everything, but uh, where you're not, you, you at least have to understand enough of it to go to realize that, you know, I, I think somebody else might be better suited to do this particular portion of the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pivoting a little bit to maybe, um, you know, kind of what's in the market, like, and what's happening. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on where to go from here? Like for, I, I guess, at least businesses in your industry, like based on what you're seeing, uh, maybe some predictions, we won't hold you to them, obviously, because it's uncertain. Um, but, you know, like, what are you seeing in, in the crystal ball from like your side of the world? Uh, from our side of the world, you know, because we're involved with the landscape side of things, uh, we think that there's going to be some changes. I had a conversation with the uh, with one of the architects from the city of Coquitlam, and I've gotten to know him quite well. We're working on some some new picnic tables for the city, and I asked him what his thoughts were. You know, are we are we going to stop selling picnic tables? It's a big part of what I do. And uh, he said, absolutely not. We're a social species. For a period of time, we're going to see some changes. That's just, it's inherent with what is, what is happening in the world right now. We're, you know, we're, we're in lockdown. There's a global pandemic. We don't know what's happening with this bug. But life will return to normal. And that's from somebody whose specialty, he's a landscape architect. So he designs our public spaces. He used to work for a large downtown firm. And this is a fellow who understands that this is not permanent. But that being said, we're going to have to look for some solutions. One of the things that we're doing is we're looking at possibly renting some of our products out for city sidewalks. So we make concrete planters, which can be used for barricades. If they're going to maybe make some pathways on the sidewalks and it's not permanent, maybe someone like us can actually get into a bit of a rental business. So it's a bit of an opportunity for us. But it's also an opportunity for us to provide something that maybe somebody else would say, no, we're not interested. And we have these. I have four acres worth of planters. If you want a planter, come and see me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, why not, why not utilize what we've already got? Maybe they're not going to go out into, in front of a strip mall right now because the strip mall owner is not making any money. But maybe a bank can use them beautify a space because they're being given the sidewalks and are being given a little bit more space. So for us, we're seeing, we have to pivot a little bit. We have to take a look at what do we make that could maybe be repurposed a little bit. And I think all businesses have to look at that. It's, it's, I hate that term, the new norm, because this is not our norm. This is what we're living with right now. But because of that, as business owners, what else can we do? Can we make something different? Can we can we help someone else? Can we maybe just start our, do our charitable donations somewhere else instead of where we normally do it? So, so that's what we're seeing a little bit of a change in the thought process with our clients and we're trying to do the same thing with ourselves. Oh, I've lost I, the I, mean, I was muted. Okay. <laughs> um, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I mean, obviously like that's a consideration moving forward. Like, I mean, if this is prolonged, uh, at some point, the cities and, you know, anything that's more of a public space or even like uh, a space that is private that people, you know, gather in, they're going to have to look for some clever solutions to try to mark things in certain ways for spacing yeah. and things of that nature and or like, you know, making makeshift spaces with like other things. Right. So I think that obviously that's 
probably an opportunity. But, you know, I, I think that one thing that we can all kind of rally on is that um, this has so far changed like human behavior. I mean, yes. online, digitally, we see it like, um, I'll, I'll give you like a little nugget, like, um, you know, Black Friday is one of the biggest, you know, like online shopping days of the year, if not the biggest. Right. Um, every day right now is, is, uh, is Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Online. It, like it, that's the, that's the volume that we're seeing and like yeah. we're blown away. Um, some of our, you know, clients are doubling their online revenues. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yet they're struggling with getting it delivered. I have a friend who uh, has a, a, a reasonably good sized Amazon business and a used sporting goods store. He's moving his business into an online, more of an online space to take advantage of, of, of his expertise in the Amazon business, but he's struggling with getting his products delivered because we're, we're doing so much shopping right now. And, and so maybe therein lies an opportunity. You see the, the skip the dishes guys and the DoorDash guys, uh, you know, maybe the server that normally is bringing us a martini or a glass of wine, they're going to have to go and look at something different temporary. Hopefully for all of us, this is temporary. And so we're, we're, we're obviously looking for different opportunities. Some of my products are going to stop selling for a period of time. We make a, a drinking fountain for public parks. And so it's concrete, it's kind of bulletproof. Um, we're not all drinking from shared uh, uh, drinking vessels right now. I kind of suspect I'm not going to sell any drinking fountains this year. So, you know, we have to look, we all have to look for, for different avenues as business owners to, to pivot a little bit, but also be ready to, for life to return to some semblance of normalcy. It has to, as, as the, the architect I was telling you about earlier, Durant said, we're a social species. We're simply not going to stay away from each other we're going to solve this eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do think that some people may think that this is going to last, I think, you know, years. I mean, obviously, hopefully a vaccine comes way sooner than that. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, people are saying, well, the worst is yet to come for like in some aspect, you know, whether it's like flu season or what have you. Um, but I think from like maybe more of like a mental health perspective, which translates into people's behavior, you know, if we see a little bit of a resurgence of this, you know, in a few months from now, at least people know what to expect this time yes. around. True. Um, you know, we won't know the economic impact on GDP, et cetera, et cetera, for like a little bit at this point. Right. Um, so that's really hard to speak on because I, I don't know if you know the saying, but uh, the stock market affects the economy more than the economy affects the stock market. Yeah. And so, I mean, like if stocks are going down and Fortune 500 sort of laying people off, there's a chain reaction to be had inevitably because if people aren't earning money, they can't spend money and, you know, that keeps the economy going. Right. But so I think it's too early to tell that. But I do think that from like a mental health perspective and, you know, like this new normal that's and it's not a new normal to your point, it's, it's more of the situation at hand, yes. at least people have somewhat adapted. And so when we come back to potentially having to do what we're doing right now again, it's like, well, I did that four months ago. So, I mean, it lasted a month and a half and everything was fine again. I, I just don't think that we'll see the sense of panic that we originally saw. 
I agree. I agree. I think there'll there'll be a there'll be some resignation where we just sort of all take a collective breath and go, here we go again. And uh, there's definitely going to be some mental health issues. I have a uh, a daughter who's in grade 12, so it's a very difficult year to be losing. And you can see uh, the, these kids are trying to make it work. I mean, we're we're all going through something. Uh, but depending on where you are in your in your stage of life, and and I'm seeing this with my own teenage daughter, it's very difficult. Uh, last week, fortunately, these kids are making it work as well. They're digitally they're set up. Uh, they they understand things a little bit better. Um, your generation better than mine. My daughter's generation slightly better than yours. Uh, last week was her birthday. Her friends all hand wrote notes. We took photographs of them set something up so she got handwritten notes which were photographed and then five of her friends had their parents drive by and they stood at the end of our driveway with signs and sung her happy birthday and as parents we were all quite we, we know each other quite well we were all comfortable with it every we went out and, and chatted with them one of the guys said like where's my beer and i said well it's going to taste like hand sanitizer but uh <laughs> so but you know we we're sorting this out and the technology is going to allow us to do that if we take the time to make these steps we can all sit in the room i mean you and i are i'm in my room all, all by myself I, are you i don't know if you're your yeah. home office or at home right we're making this work we're having a conversation uh and we will next time as well we'll be a little more attuned to it but i do think we're all gonna go uh again yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's the reality to some degree. But yeah. I, I mean, to I guess pull it back and maybe to your industry a bit more, um, you know, like, what are the things that, you know, without giving any secrets away, obviously, like, what are the things that, um, because obviously, like, you're a precast maker, but I mean, you yeah. can, I, I've heard you say that you can do like a lot of custom products if we needed, yes. uh, and things like that. So could you maybe give us like, you know, a flavor for like, what are your thoughts on or on what will sell coming? Right. So we're, uh, we, uh, part of our business, uh, better than 50% of our business is custom products. So we have a, a line of planters and furniture, drinking fountains, ping pong tables, games tables, and the like. And the other part of our business is completely custom, but there's a crossover. So one of the things that we're working our way through right now is this planter rental uh, business. And I, I make a large number of planters, but not all of them are really going to work very well for narrow spaces. So we're sort of floating the idea with a couple of cities and architects right now that we'll actually make something very, very narrow and come up with a new product line. And we're looking to see if we can turn it around relatively quickly and then also offer them a custom aspect. So uh, if you go down and uh, if you go down to the arena and you watch the uh, the Canucks, you'll see our planters are surrounding the, uh, the arena, and we have the Canucks logo cast into it. And so we're we're able to to brand things for people, uh, for cities, for organizations, for for businesses. So we we think that we're going to be able to offer a custom way rather than just say putting out a one of those large concrete highway barriers, which would certainly work, and we'd be happy to make that make them. It's not what we do, uh, but we would steer them to, say, Langley Concrete and Tile, one of the other large precasters. Uh, but if they're looking to do something with a, 
you know, a little more aesthetically pleasing, they would normally gravitate towards us anyways. And then we have this, uh, this ability to do bespoke or, or custom products as well. And, and of course, we'll, we'll certainly do our best to play that up. I'm still in business. I'm still here. Absolutely. Um, you know, to end it off, uh, I'll ask, you know, if, if there's like a top one, two or three things that you think that people should keep in mind, um, you know, through this process and or even in daily life, um, I, I'm going to give my one and then you can repeat my one in your own version if you want and right. then add to it. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the thing that I've found to work the best is gratitude. You know, just right. we haven't had to lay anyone off. We, we have work, you know, it's like we've been able to sell through this thing, like being grateful for a, the, the parts of the business that work uh, specifically for the business, but be personal life. Like, you know, everyone's healthy. Like it goes a long way uh, for mental health and yes. also the health of your business. Translates. Yeah, I agree. And uh, sort of maybe a little bit further to your point and, and maybe not necessarily a one, two, three, but it does to me go uh, to it. It speaks to what you're saying to be grateful, but to show how grateful you are. Smile. When you say thank you to somebody who's actually doing something right now, I, I mean, the, the person helping you at Safeway, uh, the person who's picking up, skip the dishes for you, look them in the eye and actually thank them. It, it, it's, it's just platitudes most of the time with us. We're, we're just simply just saying thank you. It's almost like a greeting, hi, how are you? When you ask how somebody is, look them in the eye and actually mean it. it does, it's not always comfortable. You don't have to, I'm not ordering anybody, but, but be a little bit more present because we have this social distance right now that includes you and I who would normally meet in person to do something like this. We're having to do this over the internet through our computers. What's wrong with actually looking you right in the eye and saying, Hey, how you doing? Nick? Like, like, and really meaning it. it doesn't mean you have to do it every time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not the guru here. Right. But it feels pretty good to actually look somebody in the eye and say, Thank you. And so the, the gratitude, I think, is really important. And that is part of maintaining your own personal health. So I think maybe there's not three in there. Maybe there is, but they all kind of have the same thing. And it's really about taking care of yourself and others. I, I think you've nailed it here. Um, you know, the, the gratitude, what I think beyond like all the benefits of the gratitude, you know, gratitude really curbs ego right? It's very hard to be grateful for something and have your ego engaged. It's actually impossible. Yeah. And I think that in high stress situations, the ego rears its head, right? Because its job is to keep us alive. It's yeah. like, you know, Hey, you've lived all these years. I've kept you alive. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I want more of that status quo. Right. Yes. Yeah. But that doesn't work these days. Right. No, no, it's, we're in a very different space right now and it's easy to not be present. And I'm not normally that person that is really cognizant of that. It's just part of the way I go through life. And, and I find myself actually reflecting sometimes now going, you didn't say thank you or you didn't smile and, or you did, and you didn't really mean it. And so every once in a while I find myself actually, and I think, and I see some surprise and, but then also some gratitude back where, you know, you're in Safeway, you thank somebody, but you really thank them or you say, how are you doing? 
And it, it's a good feeling because it does come back to you. It does reflect back to you. Absolutely. Well, I think we, uh, we'll leave it there. But good. thank you so much, Jan, for being yeah. um, on this. Uh, love the Enjoyed insights it. that you've brought and, and the experience that you've brought. Uh, really thankful to have you on here, looking you in the eye while I do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting that. So I'm, I'm looking at your picture and not the camera. So. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed this, Nick. I, I, I enjoyed it. It's nice to, it's always nice to talk with another business owner. And it, it's, it's, it's sometimes nice to just step away from the day to day a little bit and, and sort of reflect a little and, and, as we were talking, I was able to reflect a little, and now I'm going to go home and have a glass of red wine with my <laughs> wife and, and uh, see how her day was stuck inside all day, <laughs> poor thing. <laughs>